Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... There'll never be anything supernatural accomplished by your complaint. Amen? The Holy Spirit has never moved upon someone to complain. Complaining doesn't help anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't give anybody any victory. The most you can hope to have happen when you complain is you take how bad you feel and put it on someone that you complain. You can make them feel as bad as you do about your situation. That's it. So don't complain. Just don't do it. There's no upside to complaining. In your walk with Jesus, do you seek to turn away from the things of this world? Do you put all of your stock in what God wants instead of what the world says? Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that only the eternal is what matters. The more that you strive to do what the world tells you to do, the less satisfied you'll be in who you are. Let God dictate your path and be set free from the bondage that is holding you back. He is always by your side and is ready to deliver you from whatever you can't surpass. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. As he continues his message, you are our glory and joy. Every religion, say they all end somewhere different. You know, the Catholics, oh, there's purgatory. You can pray people out of hell or whatever. There's, everybody got something different to say. Here's the deal. The Bible says, because if, if, if you're going to tell me about the future, I need to know you have a track record of telling the future. Amen? You're not going to give me financial advice and you broke. Um, I'm not going to go to a fitness instructor that's fat. <laughs> you know, like you just, there need to be proof that you know what you're talking about. So if you're telling me what's going to happen when I die, I want to know that you've accurately foretold the future. Well, the Bible has done it over a thousand times. And so the Bible says, look, you're going to live one life. You're going to die one death. And when you die, you're going to stand before God. Hebrews 9:27. When you stand before God, what happens? Some people misunderstand this. Oh, God's going to weigh out your good and bad. Wrong. Uh, if, if God did weigh out your good and bad, you lose. You're going to hell. Um, you got way more bad than good. But God's not weighing out your good and bad. When you stand before God, one thing is on the discussion table. Y'all know what it is? What did you do with Jesus? That's it. That, that is the eternal question that everybody here will, 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 you will die or live based on what, what did you do with Jesus? God will say, look, I sent my son. From heaven to earth, he died on the cross in your place because I love you. Even though you sin, even though you break my commandments, I care about you. I love you. And I did something for you. I sent my son to die in your place. And I sent messengers to tell you that if you would believe in him, you would not perish, but you would have everlasting life. And some of you have received him and I receive you back. But some of you that have rejected my son will now be rejected as well. You understand that? That's what's up for discussion. None of you were good or bad, smoked dope or drank wine. Did you, what did you do with Jesus? And I ask everybody here, consider that question today. What have you done with Jesus? If you've received him, then, hey, that's, that's the most important thing you will ever do in this life. Receive Christ, his forgiveness of your sins. Um, nothing more important will you do in this life than that. If you have not done that, then and you're living and breathing today. Don't skimp on this opportunity to do what you have never done. You can do it today. You can receive him. You can you can put your faith in the finished work of Jesus today for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen. So let's move on here. So um, in verse 16, again, he says these these um, these these Judeans were they weren't just they didn't just resist God themselves and kill Jesus and the prophets. He says, you guys are forbidding other people. You're forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. The only thing you could do worse than not believe in yourself is to hinder others from coming to faith. 
um, that you could you could hinder other people from coming to faith in Christ. And so they're being called on the carpet. Paul says, you guys, you guys are you've done your own damage, but now you're hindering other people from coming to Christ. And look at what he says. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. And I, I want everybody to know this. God's wrath is no joke. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's there's the wrath of man is like whatever. But when you think about the wrath of almighty God, there's nothing there's nothing so powerful as the love of God. And as much as the love of God loves hard, y'all, but the wrath of God is hard, too. And these 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 Judean non-believers that are coming against the work that God is doing and hindering others. God says, man, man, it's, it's God is reserving for them that that wrath is coming upon them to the uttermost. And um, again, we, we want to make sure that we I want to I don't want wrath either way. I don't want wrath because I didn't believe. I definitely don't want to be responsible for leading others away from Christ. Every believer should consider that we should weigh that out. God, that should be a prayer. Lord, help me not to hinder others from coming to you. Um, that should be something that sometimes that's how come we're going to die to ourselves. God, the reason I'm going to let that thing right there go is because I don't want to be a misrepresentation of you. Um, we all deal with our flesh, right? There are times where my flesh want to do the wrong thing. And many times that's it. Like, God, I don't want to misrepresent you. So I'm going to take that L right there. I'm going to let that situation go. I'm going to rather be wronged in this situation um, just so that I don't misrepresent you because that's a big deal. Uh, I, I want to I be used to lead people to you. I definitely don't want to be a part of pushing anyone away from the Lord. Uh, let's move on now. Look at verse 17. Paul says, but we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Paul says, we've been away from you guys, but it's it's not by choice. And he says, we've been away in presence, but not in heart. And maybe some of you guys have family members or people that, you know, like, man, we're we're not we're we know we're not we're not in each other's presence, but our hearts are, are absolutely with them. Paul is letting these believers know through this letter that I'm not able to be with you in presence, but my heart's with you guys. Uh, my heart is my heart. I think about you guys. I'm praying for you guys. You guys are on my heart, on my mind. I am. I'm with you in heart. I'm just not able to be there in presence. And look at his language. Paul says um, he, he's, he, he endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Paul says, man, I, I just want to see you guys. I have a great desire to see you guys and to be with you. And again, I would just ask you guys to consider, you know, are we that connected to the church, right? Where it's like, man, I, I miss the fellowship of the saints. There are people I look forward to just seeing and being with and fellowshipping with. Paul said that, that was his heart, right, for this, this group of believers. Um, some people are very detached. They would say, I'm part of the church, but they're very detached. They're not really a part of any body of believers. There's no people that they call or interact with or pray with or share with. They're, they're a part kind of nominally in name only, but they're not really a part. Um, I believe that if, if we're a part of a local body, we should feel your absence. Your absence should be felt, right? If, if, I'm, if, if a member of my family is gone, I could feel it. When I, when I walk into my house, if I come home after a day and I walk through my house and it's quiet and it's real quiet, I'm like, man, where's BJ at? Right. Because I just know if 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 BJ's home, it's not going to be quiet. You know, uh, that that's but I know I, I can feel the absence. Where's he at? You know, cause I I'm feeling there's a there's an extra silence in the house that that I'm, I'm missing my guy right now. Where's he at right now? Um, 
we, we should have that kind of connection in the body where people, you know, say, hey, where, where is she? Where is he at? That we're connected to one another. Um, that was Paul's heart with these believers. He wanted to be with them, but he was not able. Verse 18, it says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. Note this. But Satan hindered us. Right. Paul said, look, I wanted to come to you guys, but Satan hindered us from coming. Now, you might read that and say, well, why did God let Satan do that? Right. Why would God let Satan effectively hinder Paul from going to be with these believers? That's a good desire. And Paul wanted to do a good thing and Satan hindered him and God didn't fix it. God, Paul didn't overcome initially. Now, I will say this. Later on, Paul did eventually get to go back. And you can find it in Acts 20, verses 1 through 5. But for a while, Paul was hindered by Satan, was not able to go back. Can I tell you guys that God always wins? So check this out. Paul, because he didn't get to go, wrote this letter that's been ministering to believers for, 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 for generations, right? We've been, we're being blessed today. As we read this letter that Paul wrote to them because he couldn't get to them. And so um, we're now being blessed. We're now being ministered. We're now being spoken to. And so I would say that's a win for the kingdom. Amen. That um, even though at that moment Paul couldn't go, God had it on Paul's heart to write this letter. And now we are benefiting from this letter Paul wrote because he couldn't go. Maybe there's something that you are wanting to do for God and it's a good desire and you've been hindered. I was even considering this. How did Paul know it was actually Satan that hindered him? How did he know that he wasn't just being, you know, held up or slowed down? How, did, how could he know for sure it was Satan that was hindering him? And I don't know, maybe discernment, maybe he was able to discern, maybe the circumstances that were preventing him were demonic or whatever. But Paul knew that this was, this was not circumstantial. This was spiritual. And Satan was hindering him from going where he wanted to go. And so... He was able to call it what it was. Satan hindered me. And I, again, as I look at this, I, I consider that there may be things that people here today are trying to do for God and their spiritual opposition to what you want to do. Here's what you can know, that at whatever point it's time for you to overcome that opposition, God will give you the victory. Um, and so if, if, if you're being hindered for now, that then God is God is the Lord of even that. Right. God can blow Satan out of the water and you will be unhindered if you're supposed to be unhindered. Um, sometimes as we're hindered, we got to look up and say, God, since I can't do that, what can I do? Since I'm not able to do that, Lord, what would you have me to do? Because can I tell you guys when this whole covid thing hit and we were not able to meet at all, and everything went online. I was I was I was upset. I'm like, God, let's. I want, I'm the pastor of a church. I want to be here with the body of believers. And this is the first word I got from the Lord. Don't sit around complaining about what you can't do. Pray and seek me for what you can do and do that. And so what, I'm like, what we can do is get online. And that's how we figured out Zoom and all these other things. And, and people got stuff going. And you know what? All that stuff's been a blessing to us. And it was a much better focus to look at what I could do rather than cry about what I couldn't do. Right. Paul is in jail many times in his ministry and he's longing to go be with people that he can't go to. And so instead of sitting there crying about what he can't do, Paul's writing letters that have ministered to believers for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Maybe you're being hindered right now. I just would encourage you guys, don't complain about what you can't do. Don't complain about what you're being hindered from doing. Look up for what you can do and do that. It'll be a much better use of your time. 
I'll just say this and I'm going to move on. There'll never be anything supernatural accomplished by your complaining. Amen. The Holy Spirit has never moved upon someone to complain. Complaining doesn't help anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't give anybody any victory. The most you can hope to have happen when you complain is you take how bad you feel and put it on someone that you complain. You can make them feel as bad as you do about your situation. That's it. So don't complain. Just don't do it. There's no upside to complaining. You shouldn't do it. But you should pray. And instead of complaining, say, God, what can I do? Difficult situation, challenging, but what would you have me to do? What's the, what's the win for you in this situation? And I guarantee you, if you'll focus that way, God will show you something that is the absolute win. God will show you what you can do. I've seen it so many times in my life where there was a hindrance here and just prayer. And God's like, but, but, but this thing right here, you could do that. Here's what you could do. There was a point uh, early on we were planting the church. And I was trying to figure out, you know, I had been on staff at a church for a bunch of years. So I was working three different jobs and trying to do the church. And it was it was difficult. I couldn't fix the schedule was weird at the job downtown. There were times where I had to go to work at night and then come get off at like three in the morning and then try to be ready to preach and in the morning. And uh, it was horrible. It was just a rough, rough era. And um, and I remember as I was going through that and I'm like, Lord, this is um, I feel like I'm not able to do the one thing I feel called to do with my best foot forward. And as I prayed that through, God showed me a couple other things that I was able to do. And uh, there were things that I had to let go of in faith. Um, some of y'all know I'd be flipping cars and doing little stuff on the side. Um, God gave me things that I could do um, so that I could focus on the one thing that I was really supposed to be doing with all my heart. And again, I just encourage you guys that, that maybe there's a, a, a squeeze or a challenge. Uh, just be looking to the Lord for what he would have you to do in this season if you are being hindered by the enemy. Verse 19 now, 19 and 20. And this is what we, 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 we want to wrap up with. Paul says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? These are all rhetorical questions. Eventually, he's going to tell them that it's them. What is our hope? What do we have to look forward to? What are we hoping in? Right. For Paul, he would say, look, I'm, my hope is you guys. I, there's 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 a there's hope. There's there's future you know profit in looking at what God is doing in you guys life. Our hope. He says, what is our hope? What is our joy? Or our crown of rejoicing. These believers were his joy. But then that word crown of rejoicing, think about a crown as something that you value. Right? Paul said, you guys being saved, you guys faith in God, that is the that is the crown that we rejoice in. That that's what that's what we're counting as 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 benefit um, that you guys got saved through our ministry and you're flourishing in the Lord. That is the crown of our rejoicing. And I think the more believers that would live with that in mind of God, the thing that I value is to see you work in people. That's I value that more than money, more than things, more than possessions, more than my own personal accolades or victories that, that you're using me to help somebody know you. You're using my life to help someone grow in their relationship with you. You might be ministering to children, but God is using you to plant seeds of faith in little hearts. I mean, that's that could, that's your crown of rejoicing that these little people are beginning to know the Lord. They're getting their first lessons and messages about the Bible from you. What a privilege. What a blessing. Maybe you're, you got some ministry to friends or to family or whoever, coworkers, that that would be the God. I, I value this. This is of great importance to me that you would use my life to see someone else come into relationship and grow in their relationship with you. 
I would exhort everybody here that's born again, the spirit of God lives in you. Be looking for who you can be talking to. Who can you share with? Who can you talk to? Who can you influence for the Lord? Who can you spend time answering their Bible questions? Who can you do that for? Who can you befriend? And and, and I, again, there's some weird Christians, y'all. I, I, I pray, God, that we would not be that church. I don't want to put out weird Christians. Do y'all know weird Christians? You know, they only speak Christianese. Uh, anybody on the street, you, they don't know what you're talking about. You know, hey, brother, in, uh, in the Hebronic literary consensus of the biblical sense anatomy, you know, just you're like, Zoom, I don't know what you're talking about. For some believers that forgot that you used to be out there. Um, and so you look at people in the, and, they, and they, they might be in the midst of it and you looking at them sideways. Man, I pray, God, that we would be those who our hearts just beat for the benefit of other people. Right. I love lost people. I used to be a lost people, y'all. And somebody loved me, cared about me enough to share with me in a way I could hear and understand. And my life has been changed. That person that led me to Christ has impacted me. They've impacted my marriage. They've impacted my four kids. They, I mean, everything that's flown through my life for the last 20 some years is I can reach back up and say that person's impact on me has impacted all these other situations. And I want to be that for somebody else. Right. I want to I want to be the one to help somebody else enter in to the Lord and, and, and meet them in a real way and have their life transformed. And, and maybe their marriage will be better because of it. maybe there'll be a better dad or a mom because of it. And so everybody here, let's do our part, man. Let's let's engage with people. Let's love on non-Christians. Um, let's learn how to answer people's questions without starting fights. You know, um, there are people with legitimate questions. Let's learn. God, help me to be a, a source, a resource where people that got questions, people that don't understand, I can answer it for them. And we could chop it up and, and maybe through that they come to know you. But Paul said, man, this is our joy, our crown of rejoicing that you guys are saved. Then lastly, he says, it is, is it not even you, he said, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Now, we're going to get a lot more into that later in this letter. But Paul mentions it here. He says, what is our joy, our, our, our hope, our joy, our crown of joy? He says, is it not you? In the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Do we understand that the Lord is coming back? Right. And it's going to happen one of two ways. Right. The Lord is either going to come back because you're going to die and you're going to meet him. Or the Lord is coming back for his church in the rapture. But one way or another, you're going to meet the Lord. And Paul says, look, this is our joy, our crown, our rejoicing. Is it not that you are going to one day be in the presence of our Lord at his coming because because you guys know him? Right. Because when the Lord comes, can you get saved then? It's too late. Right. If you die and got to stand before God, can you make a new decision? You are locked in for eternity in that moment. Whatever you were, whatever you were, believer, you're locked in. Non-believer, you're locked in. If the rapture comes, you, I mean, at that moment, you can't say, oh, man, God, wait, wait I, I want put me on a late flight. No, nope, it won't be a late flight. Um, you missed it. Now, we do know that people get saved during the tribulation period, but don't be counting on that because it's not likely. And so um, Paul says that is our rejoicing that you guys are going to be in the presence of our Lord at his coming. And then he closes with verse 20. You are our glory and our joy. Paul said in another place, you know, if you're going to not Paul, the Bible says if you're going to glory, glory in this, that you know him. Right. That, that, that's if I'm going to glory in something, I'm a glory in the fact that I know the Lord. But Paul says, I also glory in that you guys know the Lord. You guys are our glory 
and our joy. I take great joy, great delight, great glory in what God is doing in your life. And here's why I think this is so important. We're reading the, the it's really a heart of a pastor, right? Someone's heart's just, his, his heart's been moved by God. He cares about people. He cares about the right things about people. And if the church, if we could, if we could adopt this kind of concern, if we had soul concern for people, just genuine spiritual concern for how others were doing, I think we would do what we do with, with more passion. We would do what we do for the Lord with more fervor, with more intensity, with more passion. We wouldn't be so laxed about it. But I understand, man, this is there's heaven and hell on the line. Like this, this is important. Mom, I'm gonna make time. To, to be in these people's lives. I'm going to make time for those conversations. I'm going to make time to sit down with them. I'm going to endure the, the maybe the unpleasantries of, of having been the one, the spokesman for the Lord, because there's people's lives in jeopardy. I want to see them saved. I want to see them with the Lord. And so, but Paul says about this group of believers, you guys are our joy and our crown and our hope. And he says at the end, you are our glory and our joy. And so as I was reading this, all that Paul had to say about them Obviously, I pastored this church and it it was just a natural thought from my mind. I started going through in my own heart the things that if if I talk to other people and they said, I am grateful for our church for a lot of things. This is what I put down. I asked my wife as well. But these are some of the things that we are. I thank God for I'm private. I'm talking to other people. I thank God for the love that we have in this church. Not just like love for me, but I I watch our church love on each other. Uh, I watch when new people come in and people just, they go and they love on them and they talk to them. I I, I thank God for that, that it's not that we're not cliquish, that somebody can come in, jump in and and join in and be part of because it's the church and people get they let them in. I, I, I thank God that we're a loving church. And, and I'm not, it's, I don't get to determine that. You guys determine that. You guys are the ones that are loving on people and interacting with one another. Um, I thank God for the faithful service. So much has had to happen. I thank God for the unity that we have. I'm thankful personally for the hunger for God's word. I love that people are willing to sit for Bible study. I love that whenever we do classes, people sign up and they come on and we, we have time in those classes together. I'm thankful for your hunger for the word of God. I'm thankful for your faithfulness and sharing as you guys invite friends and families, as you guys go out and you share, you're interacting. I'm thankful for those things. I asked my wife and she these are things that she put down that um, for believers who love each other, believers who are faithfully praying for and concerned about each other, um, that we're looking after one another spiritually that we decide, desire to discuss the things of God, that we have a heart for the lost, that we desire to grow in the knowledge of God, that people are walking in God's ways, that we're faithfully serving in ministry. So this is it's not, a, it's not an exhaustive list, but you guys need to know that, again, as I read this letter from Paul just saying to this church, man, I'm, I'm so grateful. You guys, you guys are a source of blessing to me. You guys need to know that for us, that serve for me in particular as well. You guys are a source of blessing. I'm, I'm blessed to be part of this body with you guys. And my exhortation in closing is this, that we would just continue, you guys, continue to do what? That we would continue to be believers that are yielded to the Holy Spirit, that are faithful to God's word, and that are looking to do his work. God, I, I want to be yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit. Lead me, guide me, empower me, Lord. I want to be submitted to the word of God so I don't be doing weird stuff. And and then I just want to be I want us to be effective. I'm looking forward to the end of this year and the coming on of another year 
and just, God, what are you going to do? What do you want to do with us, in us, and through us? The one thing I know for sure is he wants to do a lot. And God will do as much as we'll give him. He'll use us as much of you as you give to God. God will take that much and use it for his glory. Amen. You've just heard a transforming word, a ministry out of Inglewood, California. Do you know Jesus? We want you to find the inexpressible joy and hope found in him. We'd strongly encourage you to go to calvaryinglewood.org to get started in knowing Jesus personally. Part of the ministry of Jesus focused on loving others in an unassuming way, like that of a servant. Listen to the words of Paul as he prays for you and me to have that same kind of love. It reads like this from 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. We believe that your relationship with Jesus and others matters. That's why this ministry dedicates a space on our website to download the mobile app. This is a great tool to have because it allows you to grow in your faith whenever and wherever you are. There's nothing better than having the teachings of Jesus right at your fingertips. Head on over to calvaryinglewood.org and scroll down to the bottom of the page. There you'll find the information you need. Here it is again, in case you missed it the first time, calvaryinglewood.org. Do you need someone to talk with or pray for you? Don't wait another second longer. We would be overjoyed to be that someone for you today. You can call us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We look forward to hearing from you. Well, we're out of time for today. Plan to join us again on A Transforming Word.